Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. All right, welcome to the Dan Bongino Show. Producer Joe, how are you today? And I'm doing pretty good, Dan, pretty good. Yeah. Wow, a little unexcited, Joe. I got a stacked show today. <laughs> All right. You better get into this, pretty babe. Good, babe. Get into this. Come on, Ben, as you'd say. The there we go. Daniel. All, All right. right, we love it. There, there you go. A little go. energy for the audience today. They expect, <laughs> they expect a lot of you. <laughs> You're right. a big celebrity now. Yeah. I was at the NRA convention. Everybody asking about Producer Joe. Yeah, we'll catch producer up with Joe. Them. How's Producer Joe? I'm like, what about me? <laughs> what about me? What am I, dog meat? My, uh, my rotting dog meat? What, what about I, Dan Bongino? Chopped liver? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What am I? Chop? Exactly. Everybody asking about producer. No, I'm just That's nice. You, Thank of course. you. They love you. Um, I got a stack show for you today. I'm going to start off with a, I, I, I do, I'm doing it again, Joe, a New York Times op-ed piece, but it's by a friend of ours. <laughs> said a president. Yeah. When I say a friend of the movement. Yeah, I, I know. It's going to be two days in yeah. a row. I'm putting a link in to a left-leaning outlet, but this is worth it because it's by a friend of the movements. Right. Um, in some respects, a woman by the name of Barry Weiss. Some of you know where I'm going with this already. Mm. And the ones who do are like, yes. The ones who don't are like, what are you talking about? I promise this is going to matter to you. It involves Ben Shapiro, right. Jordan Peterson, Dave Rubin. And the piece is causing chaos on the left. They are losing their minds over a New York Times piece. All right, I'll explain to you why in a minute. And I have some more <laughs> stunning revelations. I think i may know who the source is oh yeah we'll get to that yes all right if you listen to yesterday's show so we'll see um today's show brought to you by our buddies at filter by they write their own ads and we love them it's spring cleaning time and like trump is cleaning out corrupt officials you can clean up the air you breathe and make your hvac system great again and folks, don't procrastinate. Otherwise, dust, mold, and pollutants will clog up your system. It'll become inefficient, and it'll end up costing you a lot of money. Sounds like the federal government clogging up your system. You're right about that. Clean up your system with my friends at FilterBuy. Yeah, baby, yeah, as Joe would say. America's leading provider <laughs> of HVAC filters for homes and small businesses. They carry over 600, or as my brother Jimmy would say, 600. Six hundo different filter sizes, including that's a Queens wave because I ain't a hundred six hundo, including custom options, all ship free within 24 hours. Plus, they're manufactured right here in America. By the way, my brother Jimmy is the most Queens Queens guy you've ever met ever in your entire. There's no more Queens guy than him. I got six hundo six hundo here. <laughs> He's at Aqueda, who's 600 on the horse. <laughs> Filter by offers a multitude of MERV options all the way up to hospital grade, so you'll be removing dangerous pollen, mold, dust, and other allergy aggravating pollution out of your air and also out of your lungs while maximizing the efficiency of your system. Right now, you can save 5% when you set up auto delivery, and you'll never have to think about air filters again. Save money, save time with this great company. Breathe better with filterby.com. That's filterbuy.com filterby.com support our sponsors please they support us we appreciate it all right the barry weiss piece it will be in the show notes today at bongino.com if you are kind enough to subscribe to our email list at bongino.com there's a tab right there on the home page of the website i will email these articles to you every day this is a super important piece even though it is at the new york times the left is going nuts joe mm. and the piece is about the the intellectual dark web. Whoa. Well. Whoa. Now that's a cool name. 
That's a cool name. I got to tell you, if I would have thought of that first, that may have been the subtitle of the show. Dan Bongino, the intellectual dark web. Really, right? Isn't yeah. it a cool? Everybody wants to be part of a cool crew. The Scorpions, you know, the Razorbacks, right? Some everybody went the Grizzlies, the Jets, the Sharks, whatever was that West Side Story. Yeah. Everybody needs a cool name. So Barry Weiss, in a genius piece at the New York Times, and she, she's a, from from what I know of her, a relatively moderate Republican, but writes. Pretty fair pieces at the New York Times. And, of course, liberals are losing their minds over this piece. Why? What's the essence of the piece? Why are the liberals melting down? She talks about this website called the Intellectual Dark Web. And I don't know much about it. I'll be honest with you. I haven't heard much, but I do know a lot about the people featured on it, Joe. And in the intellectual dark web, how do you be a part of that crew? (laughs) Gosh, is there a membership? The intellectual dark website. They feature people that you and I, Joe, and many of our listeners have heard of. Some of you may not have heard of them. Um, One of them is Ben Shapiro, currently the uh, number one conservative podcaster in the world. Uh, depending on the week, we're usually number two and mm-hmm. number th- or number three, which I'm proud of, by the way, thanks to you. Yeah, man. Um, nothing wrong with, you know, losing out to Ben Shapiro. And sometimes Crowder beats us, who's another uh, pretty solid guy. Steve Crowder, I do a show, really good uh, show as well. But we're usually two or three trailing uh, Ben. Ben's got a really popular show over at the Daily Wire. Um, and Ben is is a pretty outspoken conservative. Uh, sometimes uh, he's, you know, he's. He doesn't always agree with Trump. I think he's been pretty uh, vociferous in his criticism at times. And, you know, that's as Ben knows his stuff. And I don't ever, you know, I don't, you know, I, you know what I'm saying? I don't, I don't think it's I think he's a principal guy on those issues. And he has a really good show. Also featured in the piece, though, is Jordan Peterson, who has seemingly Joe taken over the world. Um, if you <laughs> I'm serious. If you haven't heard of Jordan Peterson, um, I, you're probably living in some kind of a cave somewhere. I don't know, because this guy, he has this book out, 12 Rules for Life. He's doing a traveling road show he does where uh, he does like the, he recovers his book. It's sold out everywhere. He is a Canadian uh, psychologist. Who his book is a I don't even know how to call it a hit. It's like a neutron bomb hit. I mean, the thing's like number one bestseller everywhere. Hmm. I mean, it's it's a, I have the book. Um, I'm a I don't know about a tenth of the way through it. I'm reading a couple of the books too, including the Seem Taleb's. And then also featured in a piece are Brett Weinstein and Dave Rubin, uh, Christina Hoff Summers, and others. The gist of the piece, Joe, and why the liberals are losing their minds. Is that these are, there you go, a little bit of light. Now I can see you. These thinkers, Shapiro, Rubin, Dave Rubin, by the way, who's a liberal. Dave Rubin, Joe, is not a conservative. Mm. He was formerly the Young Turks. He's an awesome guy, though. Very open-minded guy. Um, Friends with Shapiro. We follow each other on Twitter. He's a liberal. Going to show you that I don't... I don't mind Democrats. I just mind idiots. And Dave Rubin is not one. Dave Rubin's a good guy. He disagrees with us, but is more than happy to give a platform and a respectful debate a debate platform on his show, The Rubin Report, to conservatives. He does it all the time. He had Thomas Sowell on. It was a mm. remarkable episode. Again, the point of the piece is that these thinkers have found a way, Joe, to do an end around around the gatekeepers of the time. In other words, the gatekeepers of the time have told us that you know, conservative thought is unacceptable. They want to keep us off the airways. They want to keep the ideas suppressed. The The gist of the piece by Barry Weiss is through podcasting. Oh, they mentioned Joe Rogan as well. It was a very most popular podcast, I think, in the in the country right now. Mm. 
millions of downloads yeah. per per show, which is Joe and I know the numbers well. That's pretty darn that remarkable. Is, yeah. Real good. You're doing millions of downloads a month. You're a rock star. Per show, you're like a mega rock star. Yeah, man. But they found a way through podcasting, through YouTube channels, through Patreon accounts, which I don't have, but I'm telling you, I'm thinking about doing myself so that we can get around the whole you know, pressure from the Media Matters goons mm-hmm. and other folks. These Patreon accounts, Joe, are ways where people can donate to basically donate to your company, whatever it is, Jordan Peterson, Inc., huh. and you don't have to worry about any of the pressure from these outside groups. Huh. Apparently, Ruben and, and Jordan Peterson are doing quite well off these Patreon accounts as well, alone, which has enabled them. You see where I'm going with this, Joe? Yeah. They're not subject to pressure campaigns because they're funded by their listeners and their supporters. Right. Which... I read it and I was like, you know what? That's not a bad idea. I mean, I like my sponsors. They're great. And they, certainly guys like Filterby don't give a damn about pressure campaigns at all. Don't Filterby. Seem to, no. <laughs> no, no, they don't care at all. Filterby is a patriotic American company that gives exactly zero uh, about pressure campaigns from goofs on the left. Um, but it is an interesting idea. Now, the, the, the whole podcast arena, it, it circumvents the mainstream media. And the, the reason the left is freaking out, Joe, is because the combined audience of these people, Peterson, who's a rock star, Shapiro, rock star, Ruben, all these people have this huge audience. Uh-huh. The left is losing its edge on cool, Joe. You know, it's... A, yeah. Listen, I got I you. think... You know, you see where I'm going yeah, with this, yeah. right? Joe was Didn't Joe's a rocker guy. Yeah. Joe was uh, Joe has lived and grown up while in radio and growing up in, in the music sphere. Now, mm-hmm. you and I both acknowledge on the show, Joe, the people you grew up with were probably like, hey, man, like the Vietnam era hippies. It was cool to be uh, a liberal, the right? The coolest, yeah. Yeah, how you mm-hmm. wound up a conservative is beyond me. You must have a strong, uh, you know, spine and moral compass and uh, cojones made of titanium to be a conservative. Yeah, that they are. They are, right? Thank ding, you. ding, ding, ding. <laughs> but it's so bad. Oh, dude. People <laughs> love them. I get so many emails about it. But the left, it was always cool to be a leftist. Y- yeah. Even on a college campus. Mm. You know, peace, love, and happiness, man. Yeah. Pass the bong. Let's do it. Don't don't hoard the skunk, man. Don't hoard the skunk. <laughs> we it was always it was never cool to be the Alex Keaton kid in family ties. For those of you younger listeners, Alex Keaton was a uh, Reagan Republican in a popular sitcom in the 80s called Family Ties, and he was always portrayed as the stiff uh, in the family. Now, what's bothering the left and why they're and the only reason I'm bringing this piece up, folks, is I'm telling you the left is melting down. They're in a full fledged frontal war on the piece to try to discredit Barry Weiss, the author, to try to discredit the piece, to try to pressure the New York Times to get this woman out of there and stop writing for them. The reason is. The left previously had a monopoly on nonconformity. And nonconformity, folks, has always been cool. You know, I hate to use these ethereal, otherworldly terms. I'm not, you know, I like to speak in facts and data, Mm -hmm. but there's no other way to describe the genesee qua here. I don't know what cool is. You just know it when you see it. Right. Back, right. In the happy days era, the Fonz was cool, but he's not now. If the Fonz showed up with the leather jacket, the greasy hair, I said, hey, you'd look at him and be like, wait, what? But back in the day, guys and ladies, you younger folks out there, I'm I'm 43, Joe's a little older than me. Fonz was the epitome of cool. I mean, in, in my, in, maybe in, 
Maybe more your era than mine. Happy Days I only watched on rerun. You probably got to yeah, watch we, it live. Yeah, we watched it uh, first Yeah, hey, I only watched it on rerun. My day cool was Tyler Durden from Fight Club. Oh, remember okay. Fight Club, the Brad Pitt character? Yeah, he was cool. He, he fought. He, you know, he, he smoked. I listen, smoking's bad. I get it. I'm just saying that was the whole, you know, image. I never smoked, and you shouldn't either. Public service. I'm just saying, the Tyler Durden character that was cool. You know, you, how do you describe it? I don't know what was cool about Durden. I don't know. He fought. He was talk cool. No one really knows. But what's freaking the left out, folks, this is important. This is a, one of the most important openings I've ever done, is they have always had a monopoly on cool. It was never cool or edgy to be friends with Ben Shapiro or friends with Jordan Peterson. Now, Peterson, Shapiro, speak to Joe. Millions of people, millions a day. Yeah, man. YouTube, private websites, uh, Patreon accounts podcasts now i am i'm not trying to like insert myself but we speak to well over into the millions of people per month that's i'd be happy to you know one day show you that stuff but our show is do is doing the same thing we're not you know part of any but you know we weren't in the article at all i'm a little bitter about that (laughs) (laughs) who wants to want to be part of the intellectual dark web right the point is joe Nonconformity was always monopolized by the left. It's one of the ways they keep, this is important, it's one of the ways they keep people from thinking for themselves. Someone told me they play a drinking game with their dad, and every time I say this is important, they take a swig and they're drunk every day. Don't play that drinking game, ever. It's bad. You'll be intoxicated daily. Yes, sir. I want to tell you a little, uh, you're speaking about cool and conservatism. I was at the bank doing a transaction. I was talking to one of the guys, and we got, he's, came about that I was conservative. Now, I was wearing yeah. one of my earrings. Uh, it was a dangly <laughs> earring, too, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I had the oh, hair boy. all blown up, and, and he somehow or another, one of the tellers got into it, and uh, he said to the teller, yeah, he's conservative. And she looked at me, and she goes, what? With with the earring stunned. and the hair? He can't oh, stunned. be. Yeah. Stunned. Yeah, yeah. Joe had his Elvis look yeah. on. That's not possible. Ex- Nobody who looks like Elvis is conservative. Exactly. That's right. No, they don't. And But you understand, Joe, that's how they keep these college kids oh, yeah. from thinking for themselves. Yeah. It doesn't really work on older folks as much. I mean, to a degree. But- what I'm trying to tell you is painting the left as, hey, we're anti-establishment. We're the nonconformists. We're, you know, we're the gang on the outside of the, we're fighting the man, Joe. Yeah. Do you understand that's always kept this edge to liberalism that people have aligned with and that keeps them from thinking about what liberalism actually is? Mm-hmm. It's almost like, you know, when you're younger, everybody wanted, there were a lot of gangs in my neighborhood. I don't mean gangs like, well, there were Latin Kings and stuff like that, right. but we I, we weren't, but there were like smaller gangs. Like for me, I remember this one, uh, it was AAC, it was uh, art and crime. That was the art and green, like art. What's cool? They meant, they didn't mean art. They meant like shh, graffiti yeah. the art. So that was, but everybody wanted to be part of that. That was our gang, right? Everybody cool. wanted to be, yeah. but I got to tell you. As time went on, you found out what the gang was about. Some people, and they weren't good guys. You know, me and a lot of other people were like, ah, not my bag of donuts, you know? Liberalism has had such an edge and monopoly on cool for so long that if they lose that edge, like, hey, maybe it's cool to be part of the intellectual dark web. Look who's there, Ben Shapiro. And what is Ben Shapiro saying? That when the ideas start getting out there, 
and the cool monopoly's broken, and 18 to 25 and 30-year-olds start saying, hey, you know what, this Jordan Peterson is a pretty cool cat. I'm going to hear what he has to say, and they get broken of victim culture, Joe. Do you understand the liberals would be done for a generation? Yeah. Liberals have factored into their popular vote counts very specific blocks of voters. Minority voters, women, LGBT voters. They have already factored them in. They have also factored in who, Joe? Young voters. If they now, liberals have also factored in that they are gonna lose a lot of younger voters as they get jobs. I'm not kidding. I'm not making this up. Mm-hmm. When when younger voters start paying taxes and start figuring out how the gang affects them, Joe, the liberal cool yeah. gang, they're like, hey, this gang was really cool. What's your tax rate on your check? 50%. Oh, that gang ain't cool no more. <laughs> that gang ain't cool. All of a sudden, you don't like That's why as people get older, Joe and I, they become more conservative because liberalism is great until it punches you in the mouth. And then you're like, wow, liberalism, this really sucks. Matter of fact, I tweeted out last night, liberalism sucks. Thanks. That's all. I just <laughs> had that on my mind last night. I think we may make a t-shirt at the Chum Store ah. for that. So that may be coming up to uh, soon. What I'm trying to get at here is liberalism has used that cool edge, that nonconformist edge, to get the votes of 18 to 24-year-olds, knowing they're going to lose most of them as they get older. Now, what if they start to lose them as they turn voting age, 18? Because the 18-year-old's like, hey, man, this Shapiro, Peterson, this Dave Rubin, even though he's a liberal, you know, he's an open-minded free thinker, and I can now start to look at ideas rather than gang labels. And when I say gang, I don't mean like violent gang. You know what I'm talking I'm talking about ideological gangs. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, these conservative cats are pretty cool themselves. Next thing you know, 18 to 25-year-olds, Joe, even 50% of them start voting conservative. It's mm-hmm. over. One of the Democrats' big identity politics voting blocks, young voters, is gone. It's wiped out. You'll never get them back. The left is freaking out over this piece. You, you dispute anything I'm telling you? If you're on social media on Twitter, put in Barry Weiss. Just put it in the search bar. If you're in the if you have the internet, if you have any internet capabilities at all, just Google Barry Weiss. Read the hysterical reaction from leftist goons about this piece. Oh, this is cool idiots. This is rehashed old stuff. Intellectual dark web. Get her off New York Times. They're in a panic. Because if conservatism becomes edgy and a way to, re- which, by the way, Joe, uh-huh. it is. Yeah. It's easy to be a liberal. Yeah, man, peace, love, and happiness, man. We love the government. It's all great. Have you thought about anything you just said? Never. The minute you start to question government ownership of your money, your kids, your health care, your business, the minute you start to question that, you start to realize there's nothing edgy. There's nothing nonconformist about being a sucker for the government. A bunch of tools in D.C. wearing bow ties, laughing their asses off as they spend your money. You think that's cool? You think that's edgy? Allowing a bunch of goons you've never met in your life in D.C. who don't give a rat's ass about you? You think that's edgy and cool to somehow give them your money, your kids, and your health care? What the hell is wrong with you? Are you crazy? You think that's nonconformist? You're the biggest sucker out there if you believe in that. You have been suckered big time, daddy-o. And now all of a sudden people are starting to open their eyes, whether it's Shapiro, Peterson, or this show, or Joe Rogan. And Rogan doesn't even do politics. He just has politicians, uh, excuse me, political types on Uh to talk about other things. 
You think it's cool to be a sucker to the man? You are the man. You're the man. You're the one advocating for people taking away your liberty. You, when you support these people. And it horrifies the left that even liberals like Dave Rubin are willing to have conservatives on. Because the only thing the left has, and I'll sum it up, I only wanted to spend a few minutes on this, but this is it's such an important piece. And it'll be in the show notes today. I encourage you to read it, even though it's at the New York Times, Joe. Once the battle of ideas takes over the battle of labels, the left is finished for a generation. I know it. I ran for office. I remember knocking on doors in a largely minority county in Maryland, Prince George's County, which Joe knows well, knocking on the doors of black voters who had voted Democrat, I'm assuming most of their life, based on what their voter registration said. And I would talk to them about actual ideas. Hey, how do you feel about taxes? How do you feel about abortion? I walked away astonished. I I mean, I'm giving you an unscientific sample. 70, 75% diehard conservative. I'm like, but you vote Democrat. Yeah, yeah, those Republicans, you know, they're no good. Uh, What? Wait, what? It had nothing to do with the ideas. The left is terrified that the battle of ideas is going to take over the battle of labels because the labels have been monopolized for left Democrats, liberals, we're coolish, Republicans, stodgy old white guys. Yeah, but they're not. But they're not stodgy old white guys. They are horrified that they are going to lose out. Read the piece. It is amazing. And remember... The nonconformists right now are conservative. It takes zero bravery at all on a college campus to be a liberal. Zero. Zip. It takes a titanium set on you to go onto a college campus and say, you know what? I'm a conservative. I stand for liberty. Oh, racist. Racist. (laughs) There they go. Color form, safe space, crying room, (laughs) microaggression. It takes no effort at all to do that. All right. Today's show also brought to you by our buddies at Wink. Wink. Listen, they solved a big problem. I don't know about you, but when I order wine, I don't know much. I don't. I don't know much about it. My wife usually picks it out, and she'll be the first to tell you, too. We're not, you know, we don't know much about wine, but we enjoy it. We like a glass of wine. It's good. I like the red wine, too. It's, you know, we know it's good for you. So with online ordering, quick shipping, and personalized recommendations, the only way Wink, W-I-N-C, that's W-I-N-C, could make discovering wine you love easier is if they drank it for you. Let me give you a test. Pick out a wine you're going to love, but there's a catch. It has to be one you haven't had before. Where would you start? I have no idea. I don't know. I'm not a wine guy. I like wine, but I don't know anything about it. I'm going to get a book and read something on wine. Introduce Wink, spelled W-I-N-C. Excuse me, introducing Wink. Wink makes it easier to discover great wine because Wink's wine experts select wines matched to your taste, personalized for you, and shipped right to your door starting at just 30 a bottle. There's nothing like coming home to a box of delicious Wink wine selected just for you. It's the best day of your month. Just fill out Wink's palette profile quiz and answer simple questions that your average store clerk likely wouldn't ask you or translate into a recommendation you'd like. Questions like, how do you take your coffee? How do you feel about blueberries? These are important questions to pick out a good wine. Then Wink sends wines curated to your taste. The more wines you rate, the more personalized your monthly selections. You got to check them out. They're really good. There's no membership fees. You can skip any month, cancel any time. And each month, there are new delicious wines like the insanely popular Summer Water Rosé. Shipping is covered. And if you don't like a bottle they send you, they'll replace it with a bottle you'll love. No questions asked. Discover great wine today. Go to trywink.com slash Dan. That's trywink.com. 
trywinds.com slash Dan, and you'll get $20 off. That's nice. Your first shipment. That's trywink.com slash Dan for $20 off. Trywink.com slash Dan. Okie dokie. More. Uh, so yesterday's show did bonkers numbers. And before I get to fo- a fo- bit of follow up on that, I wanted to just briefly cover the uh, Gina Haspel, who is the Trump yeah. nominee to be CIA director. Yeah, do that. I wanted to cover yeah. some, and I want to cover from a different angle. You know, I like to do things yeah. a little differently than other shows because I don't want to waste your time. And a lot of you have the cable news channels on all day, and that's great. Um, so I want to give you something different. And I wanted to pick one particular thing out. There's a point at the question in the questioning yesterday of Gina Haspel, who is, um, again, Trump's nominee to be CIA director because the former CIA director, Mike Pompeo, is now the secretary of state. Haspel's a career employee at the CIA. Um, there's no question she's qualified. Um, I have personally some objections to enhanced interrogation. That's for a whole other show. Uh, the only point I wanted to make today is about the childish questioning of some of the Democrat senators. Kamala Harris specifically. Kamala Harris, Democrat senator from California, who is running for president and apparently, yeah, I know, running <laughs> running for president uh, and is running for president during every TV appearance when she can question someone, says some really ridiculous things often. Uh, people are afraid to call her out because they know Kamala Harris is going to resort immediately to identity politics attacks on the other side. Um, I don't care. Kamala Harris said something yesterday. It was absurd. Here's what she said. She asked a question if torture is moral. And uh, Joe, yeah. the, and she, the way she asked it is the problem, not the question. It's the way she asked it I have a sincere problem with. She goes, is torture moral? Yes or no? Yes or no? Yes or no? Answer the question. Yes or no? Now. What's my, I have no issue at all. Matter of fact, I said this on Laura Ingram's show last night. I tweeted out the appearance this morning. You can look at it yourself. I'm actually glad Kamala Harris asked the question, as many others did, about America's history with enhanced interrogation techniques and Joe, its potential future under Haspel. These are important issues. Whether the United States uses, you know, pain or sleep deprivation or whatever it is to get information from potential terrorists is a topic people are understandably interested in and should be. Yeah. It questions values, what we believe in, what we believe in at a time of crisis. That's a fair question. Answering the question in a yes or no fashion. Are you kidding me? Let me, Joe, let me tell you what I mean, because I, I, you may be confused. Mm. Joe, it's killing wrong. Yes or no? Yes. Yeah, it's wrong, right? It's okay. wrong. It's wrong. Yeah. Now, let me ask you this. Uh-huh. You go to war in combat with a with a nation state threatening to, to uh, nuke the United States. Is killing wrong? Yes or no? No. But you just said yes, it's wrong. Well, obviously. What changed? The situation. No! I did not plan that with you. Very good. I was hoping you would say that. Yeah. Yes. The situation changed. In other words, it's not a binary question, yes or no. The whole field of ethics, folks, business ethics, life ethics, parenting ethics. Do you spank your... Joe, is, is hitting wrong? Hitting someone wrong? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Is, is, is spanking your child wrong after they hit their sister repeatedly and won't stop? No, you don't know, right? Maybe, maybe not. Who knows? But know. pr- what changed? The situation. Yeah. 
Right? Yeah. Folks, the world is a complicated place. Do we even have to say that? My gosh, this is a you guys, this is a bright audience. I can tell by the emails I get. You all are super smart. Do we even have to say that, that the world is an inherently complicated place? The whole field of ethics is based on the fact that morality, Joe, most of the time is not binary, black or white, yes or no. It's gray. We don't know. Why do we not know? Because you answer the question precisely and perfectly. Because situations change. Is killing wrong? Of course. Someone pulls a gun on your daughter. Uh, God forbid. I'm going to shoot her. She doesn't give me the money. Is killing wrong? Um, I don't know. But you just said it was. Well, no, it's not wrong in that situation. But you just said killing's wrong. Kamala Harris knows that. Mm-hmm. Kamala Harris is a politician running for president and tried to bait Haspel. I had some issues with some of her other answers. But again, I don't want to get into the standard go, oh, that she do, what she not do. I want to get into this part of it because this goes to show you what the Democrats do. She asks a question there's no answer to, trying to bait Haspel into a response she can't possibly give. Is enhanced interrogation wrong? I don't know. It depends. Do you still beat your wife? That's the kind of question. That's it. That's the question. It's the beat your wife question because they want to bait you into an answer. And that's going to be the headline. What Joe's talking about is you see this during political campaigns all the time Mm -hmm. where people say things to bait you into an answer. And the answer is the headline, not the question. The answer from Haspel was going. That's a good point. The answer Mm -hmm. from Haspel was going to be the headline. Torture's not um, a torture's uh, uh, not immoral. Mm. What? People on the front. Your CIA director said torture's not. That's not what she said. The way the press does this with the beat your wife question is this. When did you stop beating your wife? I don't beat my wife. Headline. Politician Joey Bag of Donuts. I don't beat my wife. And then what did people say, Joe? He was beating his wife? Yeah. There you go. It's th- The question is the scam. The question from Kamala Harris mm. was the scam. Instead of saying, which is a fair question, Joe. Can you tell me a situation, Miss Haspel, where enhanced interrogation, sleep deprivation, food deprivation, standing for long periods of time? Can you tell me a situation where behavior that's going to cause pain to someone would be appropriate? You would have given the opportunity for a nuanced answer in a complicated world where we can address the real world ethics where deadly people want to kill us every day. And strong and hard men and women defend us against that. She could have given a nuanced, clear answer on what she thought about that topic. Instead, Kamala Harris played politician and baited her and made the question the scam. You're right. A when did you stop beating your wife question? Haspel, torture is not immoral. What? Do you understand again why I wake up every morning so bitter at them? Listen, I'm not telling you Republicans on the Hill don't do this kind of stuff, too. I get it. Yeah. But why I can't stand politicians that have no intention of ever running for office again. Folks, I'll be honest with you. I could win. I know it. I'm not saying that. I know it. I can raise a ton of money. I have. We came close to winning in a deep blue state uh, in Maryland. I know I will never run again, ever. You know why? You want to know the candidates for, for me? I don't want to be around those people. I don't. They have ninety nine percent of them let me down and shown themselves to be nothing but snakes. I can't stand them. I had the opposite experience in the Secret Service. 
where 99% of the men and women I worked with, I was like, damn, that's a good dude or a good woman. It's the opposite in politics. I put my faith in these people. I've endorsed some people, and they turn around, and Joe, double-barreled middle finger. Yeah, I'll vouch for that. I've seen it. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, You know, I don't get into the name because half the time it's not worth it, but he knows who I'm talking about. Yeah, man. And it's not just one. By the way, did you see Kevin Kamenitz died? Yeah. Oh, my. I was going to... Tell you that. Yeah. Folks, for those of you who don't um, know, sorry, I don't mean to get off topic. I want to get off this anyway. But, you know, just to show you the, you know, kiss your kids at night. Kevin Kaminitz was a Democrat, pretty liberal Democrat. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, again, I, unlike the left, I, you know, unfortunately, it does this all the time. I never celebrate someone's death. God forbid. Kevin Kaminitz was a pretty prominent Maryland politician, Baltimore County executive. Yeah. He was, I believe, mm-hmm. uh, had some gubernatorial ambitions. Yes, he did. Uh, I wake up this morning and I still follow Maryland politics because I live there and I see Kevin Kamenitz died of a heart attack at 60 years old. I, uh, so, um, you know, God rest the man's soul. That's, I was really kind of touched by that. And Joe works of course in the Baltimore market. He's actually in Baltimore yeah. County, his job. And, uh, gosh, that was, I was horrified. I'm like, I had to read it twice. I'm like, is this, this can't possibly be right. And uh, he died. So, um, yeah. Really sad. I saw that this morning. Uh, so uh, rest in peace, uh, brother. You know, uh, Kevin Kamenitz. About, he was, a, again, a pretty prominent Maryland politician. But uh, yeah, I just want to get off that. But I wanted to bring that up that, folks, the world is a gray area of ethics. Life is lived on the margins, right? What do I mean by the margins? And the only example I can give to you, and I'm not comparing heat in the winter to torture. So don't be an idiot for the media matters goons listening to the show. I know you do. Welcome. Good to see you. Trying to explain what the margin is, because sometimes people don't get this. When we're heating up our homes in the winter, the question isn't binary. It's not heat, no heat. Just like Kamala Harris. Is torture immoral? Yes or no? That's not the question. It's ridiculous. The question is the scam. It's not a real question. You don't ask in the winter heat or no heat. You say how much. In other words, how much pain inflicted on someone else is acceptable within the United States' moral code to stop a potential terrorist attack? That's the question. And the answer is, as Joe said before, it depends on the situation. If you knew a guy had the deactivation code for a suitcase nuke ready to go off in Manhattan and kill hundreds of thousands of people potentially, well, suitcase nuke wouldn't do it, but you get the point. Yeah. Even thousands of people. How much pain are you willing to bring to that person's life to get those codes? Folks, these are not easy questions. That was one of the beefs people had with, with Catholics running for office in the early days. Because they felt that their moral code would impact them when the macro... That the micro-moral code, in other words, the code within your family and circle of friends, is thou shalt not kill. Mm -hmm. Yes, you're right. They shouldn't. Thou shalt not inflict pain on others. Well, how do you do that as a president when you have to send kids to war to kill? If you potentially have to interrogate someone using enhanced interrogation techniques, excuse me, because there's a suitcase bomb ready to go off. Folks, this is the real world. This isn't kiddie time, okay? This isn't kindergarten. This isn't Mr. Rogers. Wake the hell up. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to these politicians. 
hard men and women have to make hard decisions every day in a complicated world where God gave us the ability of free will to decide in that gray area how much heat in the winter. Is it 70? Is it 71? Is it 72? How much pain? When does it go over the line? Oh, we shouldn't we shouldn't inflict pain on anyone. Really? Because we put people in prison. The psychological trauma and pain of being in prison is pretty devastating. We put people in solitary confinement. By the way, these are the same liberals, by the way, who want abortion on demand. Yeah. They have no problem with pain in the womb, by the way. That real pain, by the way, legitimate pain. That pain doesn't bother them. All right. It's just the whole questioning yesterday was absurd. And, and I just want to leave it on this. I'm sorry. Again, I'm spending a lot of time on topics I thought would be incidental to today's show. I had some other stuff. But I just want to show you that they're hypocrites. And that there is a gray area of ethics that thinking people like you and I should be talking about. I mean, the death penalty show. My gosh, I never got more feedback in my life when I told people I didn't support the death penalty. Never, ever, ever. That show went crazy. I got probably 500 emails on that. That's fine. We're thinking people. We can speak to each other. We're not liberals. There's no cry room. There's no safe space here. There's no microaggressions. I, I give out my email so you can talk to me. I read your stuff. There's no, this isn't a one-way conversation. Liberals don't do that. And it's evidenced by that stupid question. Told you wrong. Yes or no. <laughs> Break. All right. Well, and I got, I'm going to motor through this last one because this is good, good, good. Who's the source? Who's the source? Who's the source? The source, source, source. I spent all day looking at this. Joe, we are welcoming a new sponsor. Do we have a welcome new sponsor, Bell? We need that. No. Because this is a cool company. Fabric. I'll find one. We need one of those for the few. Ding, 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 ding. There's a bell for today. Once you have a kid, it takes a while for everything to sink in. But one thing clicks right away. Joe's listening because he hasn't heard the sponsor yet. The need to protect your child. You may already be asking yourself, how can I provide for my family if something unexpected happens to me? I've thought about this often. I know you have too. Fabric is a company started by two new parents who wanted to protect their family's financial future. But the options they found were complicated and time-consuming. So they invented a better way to get affordable life insurance and a free will drafted by lawyers all on your phone. I did this. I went through the process. Folks, I'm telling you, it can't get any easier. I am the most technologically unsophisticated guy on the planet. Thank God for my loving wife, Paula. (laughs) I went through this thing, lickety split, no problems at all. How many kids do you have? How old are they? What percentage? You can't get any, you can't screw this up. It's that easy. Fabrics free will. It's free. Enables you to name guardians for your children, and you don't want any surprises on who takes care of your child if you're gone. God forbid. And it helps ensure your assets go to your family and loved ones, and it doesn't leave it solely up to the court's decision. Just go to meetfabric.com slash Dan and create your free will in just five minutes. It's super easy. There is no reason to put it off when it's this easy. You can personalize your will to your situation. They'll show you how to make it legally binding, and most importantly, it will be done. Don't let another day go by without planning for your future, folks. Go to, you know, please support our sponsors. They support us. It's a good company. Meetfabric.com slash Dan. Meetfabric, F-A-B-R-I-C dot com slash Dan. Create your free will today in just five minutes. It is super, super easy. Again, don't let another day go by without planning for your family's future. And as a bonus, 
Only on this page, you can get their free guide, everything you need to know about wills. That's meatfabric.com slash Dan. There is no other way to be this responsible in so little time. Meatfabric.com slash Dan. Coverage may not uh, be available in all states, but check it out. Super cool. All right. Welcome to Fabric. Happy to have you on board. All right. So yesterday we talked about the uh, (laughs) Avenatti story. And what did we say, Joe? Give it time. Every time. Avenatti, for those of you who missed it, I I put a little caveat in yesterday's show, Buyer Beware. The story about the porn star Stormy Daniels' lawyer, Avenatti, who has been just relentlessly hitting the Trump team and Cohen, he put out a document about Michael Cohen, Trump's lawyer's bank records. And I said yesterday, how the heck did he get Michael Cohen's bank records without being part and parcel to some crime? Folks, bank records, it's illegal to disclose someone's personal bank records. I don't know how he got them. But I said to you yesterday, and it showed some deposits. You you all remember yesterday's show from a Russian oligarch. Ironically, connected more to the Clintons than to the Trumps. But again, if you believe in my theory that the Mueller investigation is a smokescreen, to investigate people with ties to the Clinton and the Trump sphere, but only hit them on the Trump stuff to keep them from talking about the Clinton stuff, yesterday's story makes all the sense in the world. And I've got another angle on that today. So they hit Victor Vexelberg and Cohen. The big mystery now is who's cooperating with Avenatti to disclose personal bank records of Cohen. And now, thankfully, the Treasury Inspector General is opening an investigation into this. So good job to find out how this guy um, got these records because it could not have been obtained legally. It's not possible unless they were turned over. But why would he do that? Why would Cohen give an, a, a legal enemy of his his bank records? It makes no sense. I told you to wait on the story, though, because Avenatti, people who've reported his stories, we had the pen register wiretap story. I said, you got to give the media 24 hours because a lot of it will turn out to be fake news. And ding, ding, ding. I was right. <laughs> it turns out portions of the bank records of Michael Cohen's deposits from foreign companies. This is so bad. So stupid. The media, they get suckered every single time. I tweeted out last night, I can't believe you guys keep getting suckered. Portions of the bank records alleging Cohen received payments from foreign companies were the wrong Michael Cohen. Now, (laughs) Joe... You and I have rather unique names, right? I don't yeah. think Armacost is that popular of a name. No, it's not common. I know Bongino isn't. There's not that many of them because my grandparents changed it. The name was Bongiorno, which is a popular name, and my grandparents changed it to Bongino to kind of slim it down a little bit. Mm-hmm. There are not many Bonginos. It's very hard to screw me up. I don't even know if there's another Dan Bongino on the planet. Um, it's really difficult to screw that up. Michael Cohen is a very, very popular name, okay? Yep. It is an extremely popular name. You would think a little bit of due diligence, you would check on the payments. Now, the Michael Cohen, who one of the payments was registered to, sent an, uh, apparently some kind of a message to Avenatti saying, uh, dude, not Michael Cohen, Trump's lawyer. This is me. You got the wrong guy. So as I said on yesterday's show, give it 24 hours. There will always be some kind of correction with these Avenatti stories. And there was yesterday. Now, point number two before I go on to this connection here. I have another great piece in the Daily Caller today. Today's show notes are just a must-read. Check them out. 
My father says it's a must. Everything my daddy used to be, Dan, this is a must. You got to go to this event. It's a must. You got to read this book. It's a must. Uh, there's a great piece on The Daily Caller. Richard Pollack wrote it. Uh, I strongly suggest you read it. It came out yesterday about how the Mueller case, which I'm telling you, is a smokescreen. It's a bait and switch. They're investigating people loosely connected to the Trump team who were heavily connected to the Clinton team to shut them up from talking about the Clinton team and their corrupt out. I'm Pinchuk, Vexelberg, and I'm going to get to another one in a minute. But the Mueller team, Joe, is has is in a world of trouble. Remember the case, the indictments, the 13 indictments against the Russian troll farms that came out about a month ago where Mueller indicted that, you know, they bought Facebook yeah, ads and yeah, all this yeah, stuff. Yeah. Ironically, some of the Facebook ads, as I told you when I had that debate on Hannity with the lawyer, one of the Facebook ads was for a pro-Hillary group, Save American Muslims, Vote Hillary. Now, that got left out of the media coverage, but the Mueller indictments, big headlines, Mueller indicts Russian troll farm for helping Trump. Ah, Meanwhile, some of them were helping Hillary. What happened, Joe? Major league setback for Mueller again. I'm not celebrating Russian troll farms. I'm just telling you the case was a dog from the start. Mueller indicted this company, this Russian troll farm, because he wanted to indict a Russian company because that's what his whole meaning right now, for his whole you know existence is about that. <laughs> What happened, folks? Mueller didn't expect the owners of the company to show up in court because they're in Russia. In other words, here's what we're going to do. Follow me here, folks. We're going to splash a big headline. Indictment. Russian troll farms help Trump. Collusion. Collusion. The media will go nuts. And here's the best part. We never have to take the case to trial because it's a crap case because they're in Russia. They're never going to come over here. But they did. (laughs) The lawyers showed up in court. Mueller's team is like, shaggy. And what did the lawyer say? No, we want a trial. Not only that, we want it ASAP pursuant to the speedy trial. Like, what did Mueller's team say, Joe? Um, we need to delay this. We need to, we're not sure you've been properly uh, notified talking to the company. They're like, no, no, we've been notified. We're good. And the judge, the federal judge said to the, for the lawyer for the Russian troll farm, Yes, you can have a speedy trial. Now the Mueller team's in a panic. Because what? Because it's a crap case. It was a headline case. It wasn't a real case. Joe. Yeah. What do you think is going to happen when this case looks like it's going to go to trial? Uh Now, they're not going to take a plea. Listen, I'm not celebrating these. Don't mistake this the wrong way. If these dogs did what they did and they're guilty, then I hope Mueller gets them in court. Mm. I'm simply telling you, Mueller's tactics in court say to me that he's got squat. Because now what, Joe? Now the case is going to go to trial. Yeah. And the defense gets, gets what? They get the evidence. Now Mueller's like, wait, 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 wait. Wait, we got to turn over the evidence to the defense? Ah, <gasps> oh, crap. You're damn right. They can't do that because it's crap. The evidence is junk. Folks, there's a strong likelihood this case is going to get blown out of court. The Mueller team has taken a beating. This is what happens when you try to fabricate a crime out of nowhere that didn't happen. Judge T.S. Ellis last week, 
saying of the Mueller team. Um, how exactly does Manafort's business dealings with Ukraine deal with Russian collusion? The Mueller team. Um, uh, 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 I don't know. No, that's not good enough. Let me see the scope document. They are in a world of trouble, the Mueller team, a world of trouble. Now, again, I just want to repeat this. If it turns out that these troll farms really engaged in illegal activity, and by the way, buying Facebook ads is not illegal, even if you're a foreign company. It's a private company. Prosecute them. And I, if that's the case, I applaud Mueller. Go get them. But if you prosecuted this case for a headline, and this case was a dog from the start, and you knew it to make someone look bad, whoa, are you going to be in deep, mm-mm-mm, when this thing hits court and the defense says, show us the evidence. Like Cuba Gooding Jr. Show me the money. Show me the money, Jerry. Show me the money. Remember that? Show me the money. There better be money. Because if there isn't, Bob Mueller is going to have absolutely decimated the credibility of this investigation he has, if there's any left. All right. I found a little wrinkle. I had two parts to this, but I'm not going to get to both of them today because this is really critical. So yesterday, we had mentioned that the $652 million question, I just pulled that number out of my head in Washington, D.C. right now, is who is the source the Washington Post is reporting on that is still working with the Mueller case that apparently is so critical And so devastating to the case against Trump that the DOJ refuses to turn over the name. Now, the Wall Street Journal has a piece about this this morning. Listen to yesterday's show for a little background on it. The Washington Post had a story about it the day before, which is in yesterday's show notes. I even titled yesterday's show, Who's the Source? Some lady sent me an email. She goes, I think you were being overly dramatic. No, I'm not. That's just me. (laughs) That's just me every day. Who's the source? Now. The opening line in the piece says the source is an American citizen. There is a reason I didn't address that yesterday. And one of the reasons, folks, is the way this operation has worked the whole time is they've used, in some cases, American citizens as conduits from someone else. That's why I didn't bring it up, because the source may be just a vehicle. for You get what I'm saying? If I want to pass information to Joe and I do it through Paula, I'm the source. It's not Paula. I didn't, someone sent me an email. It's an American citizen. I, I get it. I know. I'm just not sure that that's the controversy, if you get what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. The source is the big question right now. Who is it? Who is talking to the Mueller team? And why is this name so controversial that it's going to damage foreign relationships? Now, what I found interesting is headline, Daily Beast today. Be in the show notes. Read it. It's a good piece. Now we find out Mueller interviewed who? Eric Prince. I'm going to walk you through this. It's not that complicated, but Joe, if I miss anybody, please stop me, right? Mm-hmm. Eric Prince, if you remember the show a few weeks ago, Eric Prince is uh, the former CEO of Blackwater. He's not anymore. Prince's sister, Betsy DeVos, is in the Trump cabinet. She's the education secretary. Prince is a very well-connected guy. Eric Prince went on Breitbart News on a radio interview before the election and said some just explosive stuff by any measure. I mean, legitimately explosive. What he said was that an investigation into New York in the New York field office of the FBI with the NYPD into Anthony Weiner, the disgraced congressman uncovered Hillary Clinton emails and other disturbing stuff on his computer. 
Because remember, Weiner's spouse, Huma Abedin, is Hillary Clinton's right-hand woman. So Huma was sending emails to her home computer, which was controlled by Anthony Weiner. The NYPD in that texting case, because Weiner, the disgraced congressman, was, was, was sexting an underage uh, woman, they found Clinton emails on the computer. What Prince said in the Breitbart interview was explosive. He said that the information was so disturbing that basically the DOJ got on a call with FBI in New York. This is him. This is I, I have the whole thing, but we that's what you I'm have look, some of it. That's what I'm looking for. Oh, I got you. Joe's looking because I didn't prepare him for this at all. It's all right. Well, you know what? We maybe we'll do it tomorrow, but it's important. OK, yeah, we do have it. Yeah, the gist of what he said was it was so devastating, the material, that Loretta Lynch from the DOJ uh, insinuated some kind of a threat to make the case go away and said, listen, we're going to we're going to heavy we're going to use a heavy hand on the Eric Garner case. If you don't all you need to know is this DOJ wanted to make the emails go away in New York because it gets overly complicated when you get into details. Are we tracking Loretta Lynch's DOJ called up to New York FBI and the NYPD Yeah. Um, or the, and and uh, and said at some point or insinuated at some point, according to Prince, you better make that go away. What they found on Wiener's computer because it's going to look bad for Hillary right before the election. Not too complicated. We'll play that tomorrow. The rest because it's important, but it's it's not really relevant to what I'm talking about now. Now, now we find out again what's been my operating theory, folks. Mueller's a smokescreen. It's a bait and switch. He's investigating people tied to the Clintons. And the Trumps, but investigating them only for his ties to Trump to get these people to shut up about their ties to the Clintons. Vexelberg, Pinchuk, people. The Prince thing is critical. Why is the Eric Prince thing critical? Obviously, he had some devastating information he claims to have had in that Breitbart interview about corruption within the DOJ and a pressure campaign put on the FBI in New York to make the Hillary emails go away. That's devastating information. Conveniently now, Mueller's interviewing Prince. This is in today's news. This is in our old story. The Daily Beast article will be in the show notes. What's Mueller doing interviewing Prince? This guy's a private citizen. He's not a government employee. He's interviewing Prince over a meeting he had with a guy named Kirill Dmitriev. Now, let me read to you about who Dmitri, who represents Dmitriev. Now, this is important. Follow me here. This is critical, mind-blowing, scrambled eggs information. Prince, who has devastating information about Hillary and Loretta Lynch, says it on Breitbart News. He's now being interviewed by Mueller. I'm telling you this is a shut-your-mouth tactic. I know it. Keep that guy quiet. He's being investigated by Mueller, apparently, for a meeting with a guy named Kamil Dem- uh, Kirill Dmitriev, who runs the Russian Direct Investment Fund. It is an investment fund with government ties in Russia that's currently under sanction by the United States government. Kirill Dmitriev was also the firm, the Russian Direct Investment Firm. This is according to Salon.com, a left-leaning website for all you Media Matters goons that call all this stuff conspiracy theories. Call out Salon, not me. Joe. Kirill Dmitriev, a reporter, Michael Izakoff, notes that two of the Clinton Clinton lobbyist bundlers, Richard Sullivan and David Jones, are principals in a firm that until late last year represented the Russia Direct Investment Fund, a sovereign wealth fund co-founded by Vladimir Putin when he was prime minister. So Prince is meeting with a guy representing a Putin economic tool, the Russian Direct Investment Fund, who was also represented by two Clinton bundlers. 
Again, you think this was a setup? You think nobody in the Clinton sphere knew about this meeting with Prince that now Mueller's investigating now for collusion? What's even more interesting, who else was at that meeting? George Nader. Is George Nader the source? George Nader's a U.S. citizen. George Nader was at that meeting between Prince, who had negative information on Loretta Lynch and Hillary, the Russian Direct Investment Fund you know, manager there, Dmitriev, who was represented by Clinton Bundlers, who works with Putin. The other guy at the meeting's Nader. Is Nader the source? Who's representing Nader right now? Because Nader, according to multiple press reports, by the way, folks, you think I'm making this up? Is has been co-op. Here's why I'm saying is he the source? Here's some information I have. This is from another piece. I, I think this was was this at, this is at the Intercept. I think what Prince didn't note was that Lebanese American businessman George Nader also attended the meeting, according to the Post. The meeting with the Russian Dmitriev. Right. The paper reported that. Nader is now cooperating with the special counsel probe and has met with investigators numerous times. Ding, 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 ding. Is Nader the source they're hiding? Who's representing Nader? Obama's lawyer. I knew it. Catherine Rumbler. I knew it. You believe that? Obama, literally Obama's White House lawyer. Catherine Rumler is representing George Nader right now, who is, we know, according to the uh, reporting that's already out there, has been working with investigators on this case. Folks, Obama's lawyers, rep- this, is, uh, this is so obviously a setup. This is so transparently a setup that you have to, you have to do an Oedipus thing and stab your eyeballs out to not see it. There's no other way. I, uh Vexelberg, Pinchuk, Prince, all people targeted. All people targeted from the start away. Connections to the Clintons. They need to either shut up or frame in a Russian collusion th- uh, in a Russian collusion fairy tale. Now, Obama's lawyer is representing a source. What's also interesting about Obama's lawyer, Catherine Rumler, who's representing Nader? Follow me here. This is critical. Who is she best buds with? Andrew Weissman, Bob Mueller's number one bulldog in the special counsel investigation. How do they know each other? They worked together on the Enron task force when they prosecuted Enron, and Andy Andy Weissman was on that task force. So let me get this straight. Andrew Weissman, who worked with Kathy Rumler and knows her, Kathy Rumler was Obama's lawyer in the White House is representing a source cooperating with the Mueller team to investigate a guy for a meeting he had with a Russian connected to Clinton bundlers. It is investigating him because potentially because he had information negatively reflecting on Loretta Lynch and the Clintons before the election. Sounds entirely legit, folks. Nothing to see here. Does that make sense, Daddy-O? Yeah. <laughs> now, what's the motive for the Russian, by the way? Yeah. This is the new piece of news I have for you. I'm sorry, I'm running out of time. I may, may dig into this a little more tomorrow because I have another angle too. But this is important. What's the angle for the Russian, Kirill Dmitriev or his company? Well, I can't speak for the Russian specifically. In other words, why would Dmitriev meet with a guy who had negative information 
about Loretta Lynch and Hillary Clinton, Eric Prince. And why would Nader be there as kind of like the fixer of the thing while he's being represented by Obama's lawyer? Because it was a setup for Prince. That's why. But what's the motive for the Russian? Joe, the Russian direct investment fund that Dmitriev represented, Mm -hmm. their parent company is a bank, a Russian bank, VEB. VEB was the unofficial cover for a Russian spy who was prosecuted in 2016. Remember the names. That Russian spy was Yevgeny Buryakov. Remember the Buryakov case? Who was the government informant for the FBI who helped prosecute Yevgeny Buryakov? Oh, Carter Page! Carter Page! The subject of the FISA warrant investigation by the FBI. Carter Page, backbencher, Trump campaign uh, team member who was targeted by the FBI as a Russian spy, despite the fact that he was the informant who locked up the guy, provided information to the FBI to lock up a spy whose cover, the sp- you know, the cover, meaning their backstory. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know, you don't put people in the United States and say they're a spy. His cover was provided by the bank that's the parent company for the investment fund represented by the Russian who met with Eric Prince at this meeting where Obama's lawyer's client was present. Do you believe this crap? You believe it? You believe what I'm telling you? So you may say, well, I don't get the motive. Maybe the motive for the Russians and their company there, VEB, that had gotten stung mm-hmm. by Carter Page. Carter Page provided information. Remember, Carter Page is a Trump team campaign member for a while. Mm-hmm. Maybe the motive, because Page provided information that led to the arrest and prosecution of Buryakov, who was provided cover by the Russian bank. Maybe the motive was to, because you know, they, they love mutually assured intelligence destruction, the Russians, was to get back at Carter Page and the Trump team for that. Folks, the connections here are downright frightening. They are. They're terrifying. I got more on this tomorrow. Maybe I'll walk through it a little bit slower, but does that make sense? I just want to, one last time, I'll leave you with this. The Mueller thing's a smokescreen. It's a bait and switch. Investigate people tied to the Clintons and the Trumps and the Trump team, but only hit them for the Trump thing. That way they shut up about all the negative stuff they did with the Clintons. It's entirely a smokescreen. This investigation will not stop. They hit Pinchuk, who's connected to the Clintons. Vexelberg's connected to the Clintons. But they only hit them for stuff they're doing with Trump so far. Prince. Prince and Nader. They have to set up the Trump team. They use Prince. They have a meet with a Russian who's connected to Clinton bundlers. That Russian works for a bank that provided cover for a spy that a Trump team member, Carter Page, got locked up by providing information. The FBI then turns around and targets Carter Page as a potential spy himself and uses him and uses Nader, who's now a source we know from reporting to the Mueller team, to go and hit the Trump team and report on a meeting they had with Russians. It's all making sense now. All right, folks, I got another cool angle on this tomorrow and some other great stories, of course. Go shop at the Chum Store. We appreciate it. We've sold a ton of items. Check out our Joey Bag of Donuts stuff. It's pretty cool. We've been selling off the shelves, so I really appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in, and uh, please subscribe to the show notes at Bongino.com. 
See you all tomorrow. You just heard the Dan Bongino Show. Get more of Dan online anytime at conservativereview.com. You can also get Dan's podcasts on iTunes or SoundCloud. And follow Dan on Twitter 24-7 at DBongino.